everybody. Welcome back to the Bold and Virtuous podcast. How is everybody today? Uh, it is a wonderful day over here in the UK. It's nice and bright today. I'm seeing, I'm looking at the sky right now and it is so nice and beautiful. And I love when we have a sunny day because over here in the UK, it, they're not always the most common. So when they do happen, like I am just a whole other person. So I hope that you are having a wonderful day also wherever you are in the world. Um, so today we're going to do something different. I feel like I start all of the episodes like this, but I hope that they're all different. I hope that they all give some different vibe to you when, when you listen to the Bold and Virtuous podcast. Um, so what I wanted to do today is kind of get in touch with the creative part and side of this podcast. So I did promise in my trailer and when I started this podcast, I promised that it would be a creative one and it would be one that would not just be the detailed and the um, debatable kind of topics of full-on study in the Bible, but that there would also be creative parts to it. So I've already done a a poem study, so a poem that the Lord inspired me to write, where I, I was able to look at that. If you haven't heard it, I'll link it down below. Um, so today I'm going to do kind of something based on a, off of that, which is um, a story. So we are going to read a little story today. And afterwards, we are going to talk about it a little bit. I just want to really let you guys grab onto the story and give you more to think about rather than to hear. It's really about inspiring you to uh, look at things differently and maybe even to inspire you if you're a writer, if you're a storyteller, or if you're a creative in any form of way. I hope this inspires you to go and to spend some time with the Lord, um, acting upon the creativity that he's placed within you. So this story is called The Trees Are Alive, and it is a story that is published on the blog, boldandvirtuous.com. So you can always read with me if you want to check it out, or you can just listen and you can find it on the blog anytime if you want to reread it. And the story was actually based off of a dream that I had, and I thought that it was incredibly magnificent in all of its um, meanings and metaphors and I just woke up the next day and just wrote it all down so it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit fast-paced and it's definitely one of those story, short stories that doesn't have a beginning and doesn't have an end but gives you a lot to think about just like a dream you never know how you end up there but somehow you never know how it ends either you always just kind of wake up from the dream based on a specific event and then you just hope to understand what God was trying to say. So I hope this story does the same for you today. So grab a cup of coffee, um, a cup of tea, whatever you need and let's start. The trees are alive. I'd never been through the forest of lavender before. I wasn't sure it was real, even if people constantly told me it was. And words certainly didn't do it justice. The trees shot up to the sky with purple lavender flowers raining down them. They resembled the Muscogee crepe myrtle tree, only they were four times the height. While their trunks rose heavy in strength, their tip tops rained down in shade of purple and pink. 
wind-jittered petals would dance through the air and run over to tickle our noses. The landscape thrill pushed me into the prince's strong arms, for he was standing right next to me. I felt so guarded and safe with him, regardless of the fact that we had just met. I apologized and pulled back. He smiled, then caught me by the hand to keep me there, close and sheltered. I smiled back and leaned my head on his arm like a comfortable friend who found his home. As we walked on, a journey I wasn't even aware had started, the landscape continued to have nature dispersed in a colour and elegance that somehow beautifully harmonised together. Even the sky would peer through the branches and flowered fields to have its own light paint the leaves and reflect itself in the eyes of the prince. As he locked eyes with mine, he kept me there. You're my bride, he said with a reassuring twinkle. I blushed and looked away in an attempt to hold myself together. I kept bringing his attention back to the forest. Look, look at those roses. They're singing to each other. And those tulip fields up there, oh, are so calming as they dance to the wind. Oh, look, you can even see distant mountains through that gap over there. My amazement would not subside. The mountains are yawning as though a reawakened. Everything was alive. A large fallen tree trunk now stood before us on the pathway. I never left his side, but looked up at him, his height suddenly even larger somehow, waiting for a resolution. He simply nodded. I took it as a sign that it was safe and went ahead, away from the shelter of his arms. The minute my foot stepped onto the tree trunk, the wood began to subside, shrinking within itself, rotting by the second. An endless hole began to expose itself underneath, a hole of darkness, unceasing in depth. Suddenly I realized the prince never let go of my hand, even though I walked ahead. Quickly I squeezed tight, my back to him, but my faith calling out. Immediately, I found myself safely on the pathway, caught and clenched inside his sturdy arms. I exhaled. He hugged me, and such pure love poured out that I almost forgot what had just happened, or what could have. He put me down and looked at my small, vulnerable self with a tender voice. Always let me go first, he said. I thought you said it was safe. It was safe for us both to go ahead, but not for you alone. What's the difference? I asked. He let me hold his arm again as we began to walk on. Trust me, he said. I know these forests, and while I have a lot to show you, a lot for us to explore in beauty, there are surprises. I felt like a little child in that moment, looking up at Daddy with a few encompassing my voice. Are you ever surprised? I asked. He smiled with a gentle crinkle in his eyes and lifting of his brows. Never, he chuckled. The season suddenly changed from spring to winter. Snow welcomed us halfway through the walk. Having already covered the distant mountains and fields, it was now a white sheet of fresh powder under our feet. It's like we walked into winter without it coming to us. We walked on like a couple, a true bride and groom. 
It wasn't cold or uncomfortable. And in the brilliance of the snow, I saw a vision of our destination and suddenly remembered. We're going back to your palace, I exclaimed. I remember now. He nodded. Are we far? He didn't answer, for a house appeared ahead. It was a brick house with a large chimney shooting up from one side. Its snow-covered roof was large and reached down so low it almost touched the ground. A few windows lit up the cabin in fire like orange. Only trees and snow could be seen around the household, that and a snowman quietly guarding the door. We drew closer and tried to overtake the house, but an invisible wall surrounded it. I even tried to climb the roof and jump to the other side of the house from the top, but the wall was there too. The snowman had come alive when he saw me trying to climb to the other side. You can't get past this house. No one can, said the snowman. He seemed upset that we attempted to get past, even more so that we climbed the roof. Get down from there. You can't get past, the snowman shouted again. The prince looked at me. We glanced at each other back and forth when it hit me. Well, if we can't get past, then we'll just have to go in. The prince's hand was still holding mine, so we jumped into the chimney, falling down a chute that went down for miles, as though we were gliding on a children's slide. We were so deep in, I began feeling claustrophobic at the lack of space and darkness within. The prince kept talking to me, though, to remind me he was still there, even if I couldn't see anything. Focusing on his voice rather than the darkness, light finally began to prick in, and shortly after, we landed. The inside was like a factory of some sort, one that built machinery and fixed them, too. The host was an old man whose purpose was the factory, friendly and jolly, although living in such deep darkness of the ground's depth. A few hours had then passed. The old man host even took time on my machinery. Machinery I had been carrying without realizing all in desperate need of fixing, tightening, cleaning. But when he was done, I felt as though I was new. There was no window or light shining in, so once my need for the factory was served, the prince implied it was time to go. Remember, the host said, time in here and time out there are very different. What do you mean? How long do you think you've been here? the host asked. Well, I hesitated, peering at the prince. I think a few hours, maybe one night? The host went on. You only stay here as long as it takes to fix the screws and tighten the rails on your machinery. It didn't take long down here for you because you gave it to me freely. But out there, he pointed up, it's been a little longer. How long? Six months. I gasped. How could so much time had passed when only a handful of hours was what I saw? It was all as fleeting as the mere blink in a gaze. The two of them started giggling, and at the infectious tone their laughter held, I burst out also and shook my shoulders at the absurdity of it all. True intimacy had built up in my relationship with the prince inside that house. A closeness that could not be compared to the one outside— Although I always remembered clinging to him in that comfortable familiarity, this was certainly different. We talked, we shared, we opened up to know each other like a painter knows his canvas. Deep down, I hoped it wouldn't change. I just have one question.
the prince said to me, as we prepared ourselves to climb out. I turned to him in that windowless factory, at the light of my life, at his kindness and sweet tender voice, his strength he still carried undoubtedly. He then knelt down on one knee, took a breath, and went to speak. I quickly lifted both my hands and stopped him. No, 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 please, don't do it here. Wait until we get outside. Let's go back to the palace. You can do it there. You can plan far more than just to kneel in the middle of this dark tunnel. Plus, you don't have a ring, do you? It's up there with the rest of your things. Please, let's not do it in here. He bowed his head. A silent moment froze the picture. I then realized I had forgotten. I forgot he knew this place far better than I. I forgot he had told me we needed to do it all together. I forgot he was never surprised that every move he made, every time he kept me close, it was pre-thought, pre-planned, and to my protection. So there was a reason why he did it now. There must have been something he was trying to protect me from. Oh, no. What did I just do? And that's the end of The Trees Are Alive. I am very, very excited to have read this for you. Um, I really love this story because even though there's many, many things that I would do differently as a writer, I... I have to admit, I have to say that I did try my hardest to keep it as accurate to the dream as I could, just because I thought that the dream's mystery, an incredible metaphoric atmosphere was so strong and powerful that I just did not want to mess with that at all. And I hope that that really came through. So as you can guess, the obvious things that I want to mention just quickly before I end this podcast is... Um, that of course the uh, G- <laughs> that of course the prince is Jesus. Um, the main character is meaning the bride is the bride of Christ, which is the church. And of course, the journey that they go on together is something that the prince and only the prince can get her to. And you know, it's about showing that the church is truly and completely led by the prince, um, or rather by Jesus, and by our eternal groom and it's to remind us that we are always and forever under the Lord's reign that we need to remember to always hold his hand because doing anything alone like the way she wanted to walk across that tree trunk was totally unsafe but the minute that he came over it she didn't even know how she got over it. She didn't even know how it even happened. Did they jump? Did they run over it? Did it stop crumbling? She didn't even know. All she knew is she was safe. She was in his arms and they were across it. So I pray that that encourages you today to remember to let the Lord lead. Make sure that you do not take over. And again, she does that again um, at the at the rooftop, doesn't she? She just kind of Um, says, well, if we can't get past, then we'll do it this way. So she ends up in this dark place for a long time, um, doing something that the prince, you know, might have been able to do in a much faster pace. 
but they are stuck down there for what six months because she could not because she didn't have the humility to just ask the prince hey where are we going from here and what are we doing she still wanted to take over she still wanted to do her own thing and it all came to her own um suffering a little bit although at the same time even though there is darkness and there is separation and division from the rest of the world and and a halt from their journey to the castle um the prince uses that that time that place of darkness if you will to what to work on her and to work on her machinery to work on things that she carries that she didn't even know she did um and what I was thinking of when I was writing that is, you know, how God works on us when we are going through difficult times. If we make, you know, uh, hasty decisions or we do not consider the will of the Lord, but we just go ahead and do something and, you know, we, we're holding his hand, but he's behind us and we're like, OK, come with me. And he comes because he's faithful and he loves us. But at the end of the day, we should have never led that that decision. We should have let him drive, not us. Um, but then he comes and whilst we are in this place that is self-induced, uh, the Lord decides, well, while we're here, instead of just sitting in darkness and, you know, looking up at the walls, let's work on you. Let's do something intimate. Let's do something that really and truly will make you come out of here better than you would um, out there. Um, and I think that that really relates to life. Uh, and I hope that that relates to, to you guys, because sometimes we go through these stages, you know, where we end up in trials and tribulations and difficult parts of our lives. And whilst there is somewhat darkness or maybe even the Lord feels quieter to us or we feel a little confused or there's just trouble after trouble after trouble, um, what the Lord truly wants is for us to be intimate with him. It, in those moments, the important thing to to seek and to always look for is intimacy with Jesus rather than just the usual thing of, you know, going to conferences and um, going to these big church events. The Lord wants intimacy. He wants it to just be you and him um, so that he can get to know you um, or rather you can get to know him. Um, and then the last point, of course, is the um, the proposal. So um, the proposal was a bit of a kind of stretch because um, we are already the bride of Christ, so we already know that we are to marry him, and she already knows that too. In the in the in the story, she already knows because he says so. But he wants to make this gesture. There is a reason why he feels the need to actually propose because she doesn't remember how it happened. She just knows because he told her, you're, you're my bride and he's the groom. So she knows that within, but she doesn't, maybe she doesn't fully believe it. So what he wants to do is to create that gesture and to show her, hey, you are mine. Um, so maybe the Lord, you know, that is doing that in your life. I don't know. Think about what are the kind of things that you know in your head, but maybe you're waiting for God to, to, to make a gesture, to give you something or to answer a prayer that you already know the answer to, but you want God to almost give you something that is already yours because you want confirmation and you want complete clarity on that. Um, sometimes we can be like that, you know. 
we can be quite stubborn in just accepting what God tells us. Um, but then what she does and the way the story ends is, of course, she ends up stopping him. So she's like, no, please don't propose. I don't like this place. Um, don't do it in here. Let's, let's, let's do it together, blah, blah, blah. And she comes up with all these excuses and all these reasons why it's not the right time or place to do it. Uh, and the prince is kind of, you know, um, perplexed and sad. We really do get a sense that the prince is sad uh, because it's almost, and I don't think that it's about the fact that um, she says, wait, because she doesn't say no, she just says, wait. So it's not necessarily about that, but it's rather that it almost feels like he's looking at her thinking, you've learned nothing. Like you still hold on to your own desires above my own. You still think, you you still forget that I know better. Because then, you know, in that moment of silence, that's when she realizes in her mind and she's like, oh my goodness, what have I done? I'm so stupid. And sometimes, Again, I think, I mean, I can relate to this, this so, so much. And I hope that you guys feel the same. I hope, I hope this all makes sense and that you're not just thinking uh, this, all of this is total, <laughs> total rubbish, but that you are able to relate because sometimes we do that with God, don't we? So technically, in a way, disappointment is not as possible with God because he knows us so well. But in this, um, in this story, you know, the prince does show a little bit of disappointment in her because it's the sensation of, you know, you know better than this. So please act according to your knowledge and act according to what I've taught you rather and what you've experienced because it says that they've spent time together and they've known each other. So I, I think sometimes maybe think about it. Is God saying that to you sometimes? Does does Do you ever feel like Jesus is kind of looking at you and, and saying, you don't need me to tell you what to do every single moment of the day. You know better than this. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I I do that sometimes where um, I get so obsessed, you know, with making sure that I do not sin, that I do not disappoint, um, if you will, uh, but rather that I keep pleasing the Father, that I, I just put this huge, huge... Um, standard over my head and expect myself to, to act according to it and uh, what happens is I let myself down and Jesus is like you I never I never asked you to do all of it but um, rather than sitting there and playing according to a standard and constantly coming to God and saying okay what do I do now okay what do I do now okay okay he just said yes do I say no he just said please do I say please he's just said sorry do I say thank you like you know sometimes we can be so so incredibly meticulous about these things and whilst being meticulous with God is important on the other side sometimes God is just like you know my word you know who I am, you know what I stand for, and you know what I've taught you. So act according to it, you know. It's almost like he wants us to go ahead in true assurance and faith that he is with us. Um, so whether he tells us, um, yes, I want you to love this person, or he tells us, no, but I want you to love this person, either way, we know we need to love that person, you know. So sometimes it's just as simple as, knowing the word and acting on it, not just constantly asking God and expecting him to give us a different answer to something. And sometimes we do that when we are, we are upset with someone or whatever. We think, oh, 
God, I, I don't need to talk to them, do I? <laughs> or I, I don't need to forgive them, do I? When we know very well that God is going to say, yes, I need you to forgive them. So, you know, things like that. It's just, um, I think that that last scene really, really speaks a lot about knowing the word of God and acting according to it. And even more than that, it really shows that we should never try and get in the way of God's plan because he knows better. So he, you know, the prince knew why he needed to propose down there. Um, if, if waiting to get to the castle was the right thing, then he would have done so. But he thought and he believed it was better to propose earlier. Why that is, we don't know. But she, as the, the main character, should have known better and should have just trusted and just gone with what the prince was implying. And that's what I, you know, that's what I encourage you to do today. Take a look at, at what your day-to-day, -day, you know, activities are, um, habits, conversations, discussions, the people you're talking to, and, and look at it and think to yourself, um, what can I do here that allows God to, to take over? And if something is being led by the Lord and you see that, um, you know, are there any ways that you feel you may be trying to get in the way of the Lord's uh, plan and timing? Um, you know, th that can be whether you're waiting to meet someone and sometimes we tend to rush God or sometimes we have met someone and we think, oh no, I'm not ready. So we end up cooling it down when God is like, you're ready to be married. I, I want you to start this relationship, you know, things like that or a job and, and God gives you an opportunity and you're like, no, this is not what I had in mind. So I'm not, I'm not going for it. I'm going to wait for that one. And God is like, but that one is not yours. I want this one for you. Um, so, you know, there are so many times, I think, that we get in the way. And we do exactly what the girl did in this in this story where we just think we know better, even though we know we don't know better. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, it makes, it makes us think a lot, I think. Uh, at least me. It really, really makes us um, meditate on what God's plans for us are. And the journey that we are on with him as the bride of Christ. So I'm just going to pray and end this podcast today. Thank you, Jesus, for this story. Thank you so much for your inspiration, for the creativity that you have placed in us, God. And the way that we can see you in the stories we write, in the paintings we paint, and the songs we sing, God. Every way um, that we are creative in this world and in our own individual ways, we can see that you are in it, God. So I pray that you help us all to be able to continuously act according to your inkling, to your plan and your timing, to trust you and to know what we know to be true and to act according to it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much, for, guys, for listening. Let me know what you think about uh, doing stories for the podcast and then talking about them. Let me know if you want to hear more of these. And, of course, don't forget to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever app you're on. I would really appreciate that. And to share it, share it with your friends and family. So thank you guys so much for listening. Let's be bold and virtuous together as the bride of Christ. Have a good one. Bye.